Hear from the word of God found in Matthew 25, 31 to 36. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, good morning, Lord's Love. So good to see you on this crisp uh, fall uh, Sunday morning. My name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here at Lord's Love. I'm so glad you're able to join us uh, on on this Sunday. Uh, We're continuing on our sermon series uh, called The Heart of the Church. We started the series at the beginning of October, which is traditionally a missions month for us at Lord's Love. And we're extending it a little bit. So throughout October and into the first half of November, we're going to be focusing on this topic called missions. Uh, what does it mean for us to reach out into the world and to serve people and to love people and to live out this faith that God calls us to? Uh, and I've been showing this slide for the past few times now, if you're joining us for the first time today. This is, uh, these are all the missionaries and organizations that we support here at at, at Lord's Love, uh, we support five missionaries slash pastors, five local missions organizations like UGM, uh, like Lighthouse Seafarers Ministries, uh, like CCM as well, and then also seven overseas missions uh, work organizations like Open Doors, Far East Broadcasting, OMF, uh, Go International, CIM Canada. And we've been highlighting a few of them every single time we come together just so you're aware as, uh, as an attendee, as part of our church, whether it's just on this Sunday and beyond, uh, the different organizations that you can partner with and that we support here as a church. Uh, I want to highlight before we move on to the next part here, because uh, we have a little bit of a presentation. Uh, you would have noticed that there's a missions pledge form on the outside. Uh, the more important thing about this form is actually on the back side to see the missionaries and organizations that we support. So you, you'll see all these names and the people and organizations we support on the backside. And I want to encourage you today, this morning, to take it home uh, and to read it over, but really to look on this backside of the list and to keep these organizations and, and people in prayer. Uh, so just as a reminder for you, as the people that we support Lord's Love, that your prayers uh, are, are effective in sending the missionaries out into the field, and you're part of the work uh, that, we are, uh, that they are doing as well. And I know... I don't speak on behalf of all of them, but I know they all share the same sentiment that they appreciate and they also need your prayers. So please take one of those forms up uh, with you. 
Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to highlight an organization called Edupavi, and I'm going to invite Evelyn up at this time, and she'll share a little bit more. Uh, Evelyn and Caitlin Ma, uh, Ev- Ev- Evelyn, uh, Evelyn Ma and Caitlin Ma, uh, both are on the board of directors for Edupavi, which they'll share about uh, a little bit more uh, in a little bit here. But Caitlin's sick this morning, so you can keep her in your prayers. So it's Evelyn uh, up here uh, sharing. So I'll pass the floor over to her. Cool. I'm Evelyn. I want to clarify that I am not related to Caitlin. I'm Evelyn Ma with an H, and she is Caitlin Ma without the H. Um, It was very confusing, and they always mix it up. But I'm excited to be sharing a bit about Edupavi. It's a newer organization that we have been supporting as a church. They are a Vancouver-based nonprofit um, that works overseas in Guatemala, particularly right now, and they partner with local organizations. And Edupavi believes in a future that sees individuals empowered, um, poverty cycles broken, and dignity restored, and particularly through providing education to children. And some information about Guatemala right now is that over, like only 43% of children right now in Guatemala actually make it to the seventh grade. And of those students who make it to the seventh grade, only 40% of them are hitting the reading level that is recommended for that age. So with that, cycles of poverty are just happening over and over again. A lot of children are dropping out of school to support their families. Um, they don't continue in school because they need to provide for their, with their parents. Um, they come, many of them have broken families or are just in areas where education is not seen as quite important. And Edupavi right now is partnering with an organization that is in Guatemala called Educando para la Vida, um, which actually is, it used to provide tutoring after school to help children continue their education, but this year, actually super exciting, the organization actually just got approved by the Guatemalan government to become a recognized school in the country, so they can actually offer full-day school and provide um, complete classes for kindergarten to grade seven. So this year, right after COVID, they had around two months of notice to officially open a full day of learning versus their two hours of after-school program into now having to offer a full day of all their classes. Um, So they had about 80 students this year that were registered and able to participate in their classes. They had 22 teachers and it was super exciting. Um, So one of the interesting things here you can see is actually some photos. It is from a trip that happened this past summer with some members around Vancouver who have been supporting Edupavi and they actually got to visit Educando and see the school and visit the students there. And this is a new uh, activity that Edupavi has been hosting, which is a chance for people to go and visit. And it's more of a vision casting opportunity to see the work that's being done in the country, um, be inspired, and then come back to their home base and become ambassadors for Edupavi to help raise funds and provide for the education support packages that um, Edupavi fundraises for. So it's around $40 a month to support a child to go to school every day. So it provides them school supplies, it provides um, their materials and the like training materials and class worksheets, et cetera, things like that. So there's a lot more information you can find on the website. Um, a little bit for me, I, Caitlin and I actually just joined the board earlier this year and for me, the reason why I joined was, it was super interesting. I thought it was very timely where I hadn't actually heard about Edupavi until we started fundraising for them as a church and sponsoring them. And if you don't know about me, um, the last 
five or six years, I was actually working at a company that focused in education technology and spent the last five years learning a lot about how education in any topic can really make a difference, how it really changes lives and how it can impact you, whether as the educator or as the people learning from those who are skilled in those areas. So education became really a big topic for me, and you'll, some of you may know that I don't love school, but I do think learning is very important. Um, so I think it was just interesting to think about education in that way. And then another thing that happened a few years ago was I had actually also gone on this trip recently to Guatemala with a different organization. Um, it was part of Pentasport with Hope International, and it was just to see the water well projects that we were fundraising for as well there, and I just happened to go visit this country and really fell in love with it and really enjoyed that experience. So I think when Jackie, who works for Edupavi, came and was asking about um, people who were interested and then after she came and like spoke at our church, I think she found me on Instagram and was like, oh, you do pottery, come like sell at our craft fair. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, so that happened last year and then that's how I got connected and then a little bit afterwards, then she asked me to join the board and felt like all these pieces just fell into place where my past experiences and things that I'd really been thinking about in the last few years happened, and that is how I ended up uh, joining in the board with Edupavi. It's really been a lot of just listening and learning and hearing what's going on and seeing the work that's being done and thinking about ways that we can continue to support them from here in Vancouver, but it's been really exciting, and if you want to know more, feel free to chat with me, or you can check out the website. I think it's Edupavi. .ca, and then the craft fair, quick shout, it is also happening on December 3rd. It's a Sunday, and it's at Fraserlands Church. It's going to be, I believe, from 1.30 to 6.30 p.m. But yeah, that's it for me. Thanks. Great. Thank you, Evelyn. It's good to have someone that's on the ground and involved in the ministry and to share the heart behind uh, why she's doing what she's doing and the heart behind the organization as well. Uh, so yeah, I have a conversation with Caitlin and Ev, uh, Evelyn um, when you see them uh, around. I've been asking this question uh, with every Sunday that we've been gathering for the, for the missions, uh, missions month uh, in a bit, is that yes, missions is about going overseas and supporting organizations and people in different countries. For sure, that's a part of it. But what about back here? Uh, what about in our own hometown? Uh, and first week I highlighted Vancouver and then Coquitlam, and then this is snowy Richmond. Uh, if you, in the area that you've been planted, in the area that you're living in, I believe truly with all my heart that God gives opportunity for you to reach out and to impact the people all around you, no matter where it is that you are situated in the lower mainland. Because we've been using this uh, definition or this running tagline throughout this whole, which I don't have up there uh, right now, it's, it's right here, this whole running tagline for us is that mission is not only about external activities, but an extension and overflow of who we are and what we believe internally. So it's about the beliefs, it's about our values, it's about the vision that you have uh, in life and, and for life. And this is the vision that we have here at Lord's Love for our congregation here specifically is for all to receive and to live out the love of Christ. For all that in the kingdom of God, there's space for everyone from every nation, every language, every culture, every ethnicity, that the kingdom of God is rich and diverse. And that is our prayer and our hope here as a congregation is that all 
would receive and experience the love of Jesus and not just leave it there, but also to go and live it out and to impact the society and their context. And we do it through these four values of loving God, which was sermon number one, uh, connecting with community, number two, uh, the importance of fellowship, and number three, which is today, we're going to speak about the topic of the importance of reaching out, uh, of reaching out, which literally means outreach, uh, <laughs> to be part of the society and to make a difference in that way. And then also, fourthly, to build the church, uh, to be involved in serving and, and building the church up uh, stone by stone, brick by brick, uh, person, uh, changed life after changed life. And I'm going to share a few stats here about Vancouver specifically. Uh, in 2021, uh, there was a census that happened and where there's 2.64 million people of total population in the lower mainland, in Metro Vancouver rather. And out of the 2.64 million, 2.61 people responded uh, to the census. And the, the numbers uh, shocked me. And I don't know what, uh, how it makes you feel this morning. Uh, apparently, according to the census, there's 33.11% uh, that claim themselves to be Christians from all different denominations. Uh, but claim Jesus to be Lord. So that's 863,000 people and 55 people, which in the past 20 years is actually a decline. It sounds, you're like, wow, that's a lot of people. But it's actually a decline in the past 20 years. That's a decline of 17.3% uh, uh, since uh, 2001. And in the census, 1.23 million people claim that they're irreligious. Uh, maybe they're atheists, uh, agnostic, uh, however they want to define that. And also there's 516,200 people of other of religions. So combined total, just think about that for a moment, there's 1.74 million people. 1.74 million people in Metro Vancouver that don't know Jesus. 1.74 million people that don't know Jesus. And as I read those stats out to you, it's not to make you feel guilty, I don't know if you feel shocked. I don't know if you feel sad. But the question here is, how does that make you feel when you see and you read a number like that? Because there's some of us, and I've heard this around different circles, like, oh, I don't know anyone. Maybe we hang out with a lot of Christians, and we're like, we don't know anyone that's not Christian. Well, there's 1.74 million of them out there somewhere in Metro Vancouver that do not claim Jesus to be Lord and do not know Jesus to be, to be God. So I think... Maybe in our circles, we don't know people, but there surely are people out there that do not know the love of Christ. And out of today's text uh, that Evelyn just read for us is this big idea. It's simply this, that if we call ourselves believers in Christ and we call ourselves followers of Jesus, following in Jesus' steps, it leads to reaching out to the world. As we follow Jesus and his steps and the ways that he lives in the world, it, it, it leads us naturally into reaching out into the world to impact the world, to show the world the love of Christ, and to help them uh, experience the love of Jesus themselves. In, in the text today, uh, Jesus in Matthew 25, he's, he's preaching what's called at the fifth discourse, uh, fifth group of teaching in the Gospel of Matthew called the Olivet Discourse, which speaks about, which Jesus talks about uh, the end times and talks about uh, the kingdom of God and, and how we ought to live while we are here on, on earth. And he uses three parables. You have a chance to read through all of uh, chapter 25. Uh, it would be great because there's three parables for us. The first is the parable of the ten virgins. And 
all three parables actually talk about separation. There's a common theme there. The parable of the ten virgins talk about there's five uh, that are wise, uh, and then there are five that are unwise. The five wise ones wait for the bridegroom, and they're in a- anticipation uh, for the bridegroom to return. And so it is for us here that for us church, for those of you that are, for those of us living here on earth, don't fall asleep, but stay awake because there's more to life than this. Uh, to, to look out for God in the ways that he's working. That's what the wise do. And then there's the parable of the bags of gold, which talk about stewardship. So there's the separation. The wise stewards invest and, and, and participates in the kingdom of God, whereas the foolish uh, a, a manager of, of the bags of gold bury the, the gold and don't do anything with it. And then there's the third parable today, which is the sheep and the goats, the separation, which... Separation is quite clear. is the sheep and the goats. There's some of us uh, in the world that are sheep, and there's some of us in the world that are goats. And here's a highlight and a big point here is that there is a separation between those that are living out their faith and those that are not living out their faith. And I'm imagining Jesus, which this, you're like, what's this picture of? This is uh, Olivet, the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus made the teaching and was teaching the crowds and the disciples overlooking Jerusalem in the distance there. And saying, hey, guys, hey, come on, church. Hey, hey, people that are born, if you're human, listen to me because there's more to life than this. That God is doing something in this world and we ought to pay attention because that is where true life is found. And maybe that's where you find your purpose. Maybe that's where you find your life. That's where you find your meaning. It is in God. And maybe that's where you're searching for today. And that's a reminder for all of us that true life is found in Jesus, and he reminds us through the parables here that there's a separation, and that if we truly believe that deep down, and we're talking about missions, yes, that we truly believe that deep down, it impacts the way that we live in the world. It impacts the way that we, uh, uh, that we interact with our coworkers and with our friends and with our fellow students and, and, and whatnot. And I believe this to, to be true, that, that this whole passage today I hope you don't hear, uh, we don't interpret this passage incorrectly or you don't hear me wrong or I don't explain it improperly as well that this passage is not about working for your salvation. I just need to say it straight up because that's one of the biggest debates here. When we read this passage, it seems like, well, the sheep are doing this and they inherit the kingdom of God and the goats are doing this and they don't inherit the kingdom of God. So it sure seems like that it's a salvation by works, but no, that's not a faith that's, uh, that, that Jesus knows and he teaches. This faith, this Christianity is about salvation by grace. It's not about earning your way into heaven. It's not about doing all the things you can and collecting all the accolades and, and all, all, all the trophies and saying, look, God, look what I've done, and then that's what's going to get me into heaven. No. The way to heaven is through Jesus and his sacrifice. It's through grace. It's a faith in Christ alone. So I want to say this, that this is not a salvation by works. So you're like, Doug, then what are you saying? Well, what is the text saying this morning is that, no, it's not salvation by works, but this salvation that we receive in Jesus, it transforms us. This salvation that we receive in Jesus transforms everything about us. The man or the woman that we were before is no longer the man and the woman that I am today. Yes, I wrestle Yes, I'm broken. Yes, I'm sinful. Yes, I make mistakes. But because of Jesus in me, I keep progressing and growing and moving. The salvation that we receive in Christ, it transforms us into people that serves people. 
that loves people, that reaches out to people, that allows us, that forces us really into places that maybe we aren't comfortable, but because of the love of Christ, we're like, hey, I got to go and do this. I got to say this. I got to love people. I got to be with people that are not like me because of the love of Christ. I got to go out and to do things for, for God. And the text here starts off saying this in Matthew 25, uh, 31 to 33. When the Son of Man, which Jesus often refers to himself in this way, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. I keep referring back to Revelation, the series that we've gone through. Read through Revelations 4 and 5 and Revelations 20. Uh, the glorious throne room scenes of Jesus reigning and, and those that know him who will worship and be with him forever. What a glorious scene. That's the image that we get here in 31, verse 31. And in 32, all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate, there's a key word there, highlight it, underline it. He will separate the people one from another. A shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right, which uh, metaphorically and symbolically speaking, that seated on the right side of someone is a seat of honor. So they'll be seated on the right and the goats on his left, which is a place of, of shame and a place of, of dishonor. We see here a couple of things, right? The sheep and the goats will be separated. And I don't need to go through the differences biologically between sheep and goats. They're different species, uh, even though they come from a similar line. Uh, they're different animals altogether. Uh, sheep are furry uh, and, and lots of wool, and that's usually what farmers use, uh, collect them and have and harvest the wool uh, for, from to make clothing. And then goats, like my interaction with goats often are interesting, like goats on the roof uh, on, in the island, right? Uh, there's a place where cooms, uh, you go and see the goats on the roof. All five times I've gone there, I've never seen a goat on the roof, because they're rebellious, right? You want to put me on the roof? I'm not. I'm going to jump off, and I'm going to do my own thing as well. Um, I've never seen a goat on the roof. And also, we went to a farm in Kelowna, brought our kids, and our daughter, our middle, our middle child, uh, she was around one or two. She just started walking, and there's a goat, and I was like, from a distance, watching them interact, and I shouldn't been, have been on a distance. That was my first mistake as a father. Uh, seeing her, like, staring at the goat, and then a goat was staring back, <laughs> at her, and then the goat's slowly lowering down. I'm like, whoa, what's going to happen here? And the goat rams Ryan, my daughter, uh, like straight up, just like goes like boom, and then she like flies backwards and starts crying, and I, I'm in shock. And then the first thing I said, I'm like, get away, bully goat. Like that's, that's a bully goat right there, um, if you're familiar with the cartoons uh, and, and the books. Uh, so that's my interaction of goats, right? But here's the thing. I'm going on about the differences between goats and sheep and sheep you know, are, are cuddly and supposed to be cute and, you know, you know, innocent. That's actually not what this passage is about. Like, Jesus isn't giving a biology lesson and the species lesson. Like, hey, here's the difference, guys, between sheeps, uh, sheep and goat, and this is what you need to know. What the main point is, is that there is a difference and there is a separation. That's the point he's trying to make. There's a separation between the sheep and the goats. It's the sheep here that listen to my voice the sheep here that do what, 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 do the things of the kingdom of God, and then there's the goats that don't live it out and refuse to live out the ways of God. And I believe this to be true. The separation, it comes as a natural consequence of living out your faith after receiving salvation. It's not something that needs to be forced, actually. When you receive the salvation as it transforms you and as you go out into the world and be people of light, 
This separation between the sheep and goat, sheep and goat, this naturally happens because you're living out your faith. You're living out the ways of God. You're showing patience to people around you. You're loving people unconditionally. You're being the light of the world. And you're going and making a difference. No matter you're at work or on, on the bus or walking on the street or having a cup of coffee, wherever it is, you're making a difference. This separation comes just simply from you living out your faith. So it's not a biology lesson. It's, it's a difference. That Je- it's a fact that Jesus is pointing out to us that there is a separation and ought to make us think. This morning, is there the separation that we see in our own lives if we call Jesus to be Lord? Do we see the, this in our own lives? Or do we kind of blend into the rest of the world and we're like, hey, we're just like everyone else around us and maybe we're not being, being light and we're not being salt and we're not making a difference to those around us in the world. Because we know this to be true. If you flip to John 10 where it talks about the great shepherd, Jesus says, the sheep will hear and listen to my voice. Now my sheep will listen to my voice. And are we listening to the ways of the world, to the ways of culture and what they tell us is good, uh, tells us it's cool, tells us what it looks like to fit in, or we listen to ways of Jesus, the gentle voice of the good shepherd, which leads us to true life, to leads us to goodness, maybe leading us to uncomfortable places, but it's so good because God is there with us. So we see that there's this separation, that following Jesus' footsteps, uh, at least to reaching out to the world, and as we reach out to the world, there's a separation in us in the way that we live and the difference that we make in the ways that people see us. But we also see further on in this text, uh, in verse 34 to 36, it says this, Then the king, so interesting, when a son of man comes, where Jesus is referring to himself as the son of man, and then he switches and, and says, Then the king which is connected to the Son of Man. So in other words, Jesus is making the self-proclamation that he is king, that he is the ruler, that he is the Lord over this world. Then the king will say to those on his right, those in seats of honor, come, who who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. So here we see King Jesus. King Jesus bestowing honor to his people. He's saying to his people, hey, maybe you're living out in the world and you feel like you don't fit in. You feel like you're living out your faith and you're being rejected and you're being ridiculed and being laughed at. But here King Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to give you honor. I'll place you in a a seat of honor that maybe the world doesn't notice you and all the things you're doing for me, but I notice. I see and I know. And I know your heart. You are a known child. You're so loved by by me. So here, come. Come and take your inheritance. Come and take the seat. The word inheritance is connected to familial connections, that you're family. You're connected to God, that you're known by God. You have this relationship with God. Which is why that it makes sense here that those that know Jesus, that those that have this relationship with Jesus, they'll inherit the kingdom. They'll become, belong in the kingdom. They'll come into the kingdom. But those that don't know Jesus do not receive because they don't have this relationship. And 
I don't say this lightly, and Jesus doesn't say this lightly. If you go back a couple chapters in, in, in uh, Matthew 23, Jesus, he's weeping. He's weeping over the desolation of Jerusalem. He, she, he's crying, saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long will you reject me? How long? I, I'm, I'm the one that's come to save and to love you and to have this relationship with you so that you can be secure in your identity, but you reject me? You do not receive me as, as Lord and King? You don't want this relationship with me? He's weeping. Here, the king of the universe is weeping over humanity, weeping over the depravity of man, weeping over the sinfulness whenever we miss the mark, over the brokenness. He's weeping over humanity. And I believe this inheritance is not something that we strive towards. Again, it's a natural consequence. This inheritance, this relationship, this, this uh, the inheritance that we have in the final, the kingdom of God comes as a natural consequence, again, of living out our faith after receiving salvation, the salvation that transforms us. As we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we go out and we reach out and we make a difference. Whether we know it or not, we just become salt and light. And the disciples that are listening there and those that don't know Jesus, they're both shocked. They're shocked by what Jesus says here uh, in verse 37 to 40, uh, and then later on as, as well, he says this. Then the righteous would answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. They were shocked. They're like, Jesus, when do we see you? Because I don't feel like we've seen you. Like, we're having this conversation. I haven't seen you on the road. I haven't seen you in the homes or the cafe or the hospital or, or at my school. I didn't see you. But then Jesus says here, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And there's so much debate in the literature, actually, of who the least of these brothers and sisters of mine are referring to. Is it talking to only people in the church? Is it only talking to believers? Is it talking to the whole world? Is it talking to the destitute, the down and out? And I kind of come, as you've probably known, listening to me beforehand, I kind of go in the middle, back and forth. I've been taught you never go to one extreme or the other. Theology is best explained as the pendulum that goes back and forth right? You never go into extremes. And my answer, I think, is all of them. Perhaps at least the brothers and sisters of mine is all of them, is, is everyone here in the world. We, what we know about Jesus is this, is that Jesus is compassionate. He's loving. He has a draw towards those who are broken down and out and the destitute. He goes and reaches out to those that are at the margins. That's what we know about Jesus. So we could argue about who these people are and be really political about it and legalistic about it. But I think simply Jesus is telling us we ought to reach out to all people. We ought to go out and to love all people and to show the love of Christ to all people. That Jesus has this attraction uh, and this compassion for the people of the world. And to display the love of Christ. Uh, he urges us to display the love of Christ to all that we encounter. But there's also a warning. So here, the people that believe in Jesus are, like, are shocked. They're like, when do we see you, Jesus? But there's also another group that are also shocked. And I hope you can read that. It's pretty small. But 41 to 46, Jesus continues on saying this. Then he will say to those on the left, 
Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did, you see, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. It's really important here to to observe and to see this, that there is an eternal kingdom that's prepared, uh, that's prepared for those that follow Jesus and that that, that live out their faith in, in God. But notice here in verse 41, who are the eternal fires or hell prepared for exactly? Well, it's prepared for the devil and it's prepared for his angels. That's really important because some people will say, hey, God predestined me to go to hell. Some people say, God predestined me to do this. I'm just made like this and this is not made for me to go. No, 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 no. Hell was never made for humanity. Hell was never made for humanity. Heaven was. It's a place that God wants all people to go, but hell is for a place that, for people that have rejected, have chosen, have deliberately chosen to not go and to be in heaven. And that's really, really important here because Jesus has compassion for all people. He wants all people to have this relationship with him. And that is not his desire for you, to have this eternal separation, which is what hell is, eternal separation from God for you to have a relationship. And that ought to move us as I think about the big numbers in the beginning of the 1.74 million people that do not know Jesus. That ought to rock us and and, and hurt us and, and bring us down to tears and maybe we ought to weep over Vancouver and Metro Vancouver like Jesus weep for Jerusalem, that we ought to be on our knees praying and loving and displaying the love of Christ for people because we want them to know and to experience the love of Christ, that we have found this treasure We found this gold. We have this relationship with Christ and we want people around us to experience that, to know the joy that is found in the Lord, to have this purpose in Jesus and to share. And it's not done only from the pulpit. You're like, Doug, that's what you get to do and what a privilege I get every single Sunday, every single time I get to open the scriptures up with everyone here. But I want to argue that you get a chance to proclaim to preach, which is what the word proclaim means, to be a herald of God's good news, not only from a pulpit, not only from the street corner yelling, and maybe that's the context, but in the personal relationship with the people around you, in the context that God has placed you into, that only you are in, to have the specific conversations and relationships for. And we know this to be true, that Jesus' followers do this, that they feed the hungry, that they give drink to the thirsty, that they clothe those that have no clothes, they take care of the sick, and they visit the imprisoned, they invite the stranger in. That is what Jesus' people do. And that is what those that follow Christ do. As sheep ba, this is what people that follow Christ do as well, naturally. They go and they live this out and they make a difference. Just think about, and yes, the church has made many mistakes over the years and we continue to do so because we're valuable. But we need to be gracious and loving and merciful 
And to know that some of the world's best things came from the church, like hospitals, like the printing press, like the medicine, like a lot of the research that we see, all the scientists, are, they, they, as in their pursuit for God, it, it, it took them further into the universe or into smaller things under the microscope. It was in their pursuit of God and the pursuit of Jesus that led them to do great things for Jesus. And I want to argue for all of us here this morning that you have a purpose, that those of us in Christ, we're also called to do the same thing. This is just what Christ followers do. It's not about our comfort. It's about following Christ. It's about loving him the best that we know how. As I share this, I'm reminded of I, I was uh, serving uh, on the board of CIM Canada before, uh, and I remember the story from one of the board members just asking for prayer for his son who's going to Afghanistan uh, on medical missions. And he was just sharing the story and, and saying, yeah, pray for my son. It's dangerous. Uh, they need uh, people there to help. And my friend is a nurse, and it was going off into medical missions. Just pray for safety, pray for God to make a way. But also in his prayer, he was saying, pray that... God will give me the heart to let go of my son as well. Because I don't know what's going to happen. And as you were sharing, I'm like, hey, this story sounds really familiar. And I found out this was actually a good friend of mine. I didn't know that was his dad, actually. <laughs> so I for, or maybe I forgot because I, met, I haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, and this was his dad sharing about this good friend of mine. And, and he was sharing, yeah, like before he left for Afghanistan to share in medical missions, he actually took off his wedding band. And he gave it to his wife. Just know that I love you. Know that I don't want to leave you, but there's a call here that I got to go. And as I think about that, I'm thinking of this passage. I'm like, that's what Christ followers do. That's what Christians do. They go into uncomfortable places. I'm not saying sharing that story is a prescription. That's what everyone ought to do. There's discernment in the process, and there's conversations that ought to be had, but that's the life of someone that follows Jesus in that. And as I think about Scripture, as I think about our lives here and the impact that we are all called to make here in Vancouver, as I remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, that good fruit, a good trees bear good fruit, that as we go out into the world, that's what we ought to do. And we see here, ultimately, that the sheep, they didn't know they were serving Jesus. That's the separation. But they kept doing it. But the goat, they didn't know they were rejecting Jesus in the rejection of the things of the world as well. And maybe today, that's just simply to bring that to our awareness. For us as Christ followers, to go out into the world, to be a little bit more aware, like, hey, how am I living? Am I living out the faith that I profess? In the smallest of ways, to the biggest of ways, there is no measurement because in kingdom of God, we're all, the, the, the foot of the cross, we're all equal and all level. But God calls us to go and to love him and to serve him. And the sheep's doing of good or the goat's failing to do good, catch this, is related to their character and their belief deep down. So this morning is about a heart check. It's about deep down, a check of what's going on deep down inside of you. Have you experienced this love of Christ? Have you do you know God in this intimate way? Do you know God as Father? Do you know Jesus as King? Do you have, the, have you prayed for the Spirit to, to fill you so that you can go do great things for him, not under your own strength, 
but to be led by him to do great things for him. This video is pretty long, and I think I have a bit of time here. Uh, it's from the Bible Project, and he speaks about heaven and earth, and I think it's quite powerful, so I want to share this uh, with you. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle 
among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. Jesus is the only king that is willing to shed his blood for his people. And it's through that and that understanding that we go out into the world and do likewise, reaching out, loving the world the best way that we can and making a difference. So what? A lot of so what's, but I've summarized it to eight, which I don't have time. I'm going to read it through here. You're like, where did I begin? Well, outreach happens outside of the church walls. So the first thing maybe is just to go out with this kind of mindset mentality that hey, I'm sent on mission the moment that we walk out into the world. Number two, maybe is to know the pain in your community, to know what's going on, and know the stories that's happening. Number three, do a prayer walk, an intentionality, a prayer walk to go out and just to notice what God, given the eyes that Jesus would give you to see things that you wouldn't see, to pray for your neighbors and your neighborhood. Don't be afraid to invite. Invite them to a board game night. Invite them over to your house. Invite them out for a meal or a coffee. Uh, create something, maybe at your work or your school, a Bible study. Did you know that's where my wife just came to know Jesus, Lord? Bible study in nursing school. Story for another time. Uh, parents, maybe you want to invite your kids to be involved with you as you're going out and living out your faith. Sixth, be involved in some community a run project that's already happening to plant yourselves, to be involved with Little League Baseball or, your, or the ba- basketball team or the local plant initiatives and, and, and um, farm initiatives and whatnot. 
uh, join local initiatives as I shared, but also exemplify your faith no matter where it is that you go. Because I believe this with all my heart, that God has a mission for you and that as we live out our faith in Christ, he calls us to go and to reach out to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love today. And just for this moment, we can spend some time in the word. Father, I pray that we won't just be people that believe in the good word, but we'll follow up in our belief with the good word with good works as well in living out in the world and loving you and doing everything that we can to live out the gospel. Father, I pray for our church here that we would uh, go out and, and be a force for you to love you with everything that we have. God, I pray for those of us here that do not yet know you, Jesus. I pray that we, maybe starting today, that you're speaking to us and you're putting that little thought in our heart that maybe there's more to life than this. So we thank you for that grace. We thank you for that message. And we pray that we would all know how loved we are by you. And may this love drive us to go out and love the world the way that you love us. We pray for Vancouver. We pray that, Jesus, there will be a revival here. And may this revival start with us in the small interactions that we have in the everyday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.